into Hawkeye and Black Widow, search for the Soul Stone, and their meeting of the Red Skull. Why do you think? Why do you think that they use the Red Skull as that entity? Well, uh, you know, in the first Avenger, when he grabs the um, Tesseract and gets, you know, it looked like he got burnt up, but his it all went upward, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says in the Infinity War that um, uh, the uh, Infinity Stone rejected him. And he was made, uh, he was punished for his arrogance and now made to be the caretaker of this stone. You know, we all think we know and we are all wrong. That's what he says, you know. And I think it's an interesting punishment. It's amazing, it would be amazing to me to find out that uh, Marcus and McFeely plan to use him in this way way back when they were writing the first Avenger. That would be hard for me to believe. Um, but he does, if you see that scene in first Avenger, he does go up. He's beamed up. He's not burnt and they're retrofitting, you know, or retconning it. He, he gets burnt. I mean, he gets pulled up into space. So they must have had some inkling that they were going to use him later on. Maybe Feige had it in his mind. I don't know. But I think it's fascinating. So you um, see him as, you know, as, as they call him, Karen? You see him as, as sort of um, the Greek mythology character Karen? In effect? Uh, in a way, I think, you know, yeah, he fulfills that mythic uh, gatekeeper. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. Um, or um, ferryman. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the ferryman on um, River Sticks. Or the um, pennies for the ferryman, right? He's yeah. The toll that is required. Yeah, I think you can see that. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, this is American myth making, but it's. Its roots are in classic myth, so I'm sure. Well, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the characters that we're talking about are icons and myths, you know, or based okay. on a lot of our, you know, the older iconic characters and myths. It's easier to see with some of the characters from DC, but absolutely, uh, we've got that here. I mean, when I talk about some of my my write, writing students, uh, I talk about the Hulk. I often say to them, "What what literary character?" does the Hulk make you think of? And at a certain point, someone will come up with, you know, either Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or, you know, Frankenstein. You know, because literally, you know, the ideas flow through us, but there are only a certain, you know, limited number of those ideas. So it's how do you reinterpret? Well, I would also say there's an element at a certain point, if we're going to think of mythology, uh, there's an element of Hulk that is Ares, the god of war. You know, in that... Uh, his decision making until it becomes Professor Hulk his decision making is anger you know and, and brutality as opposed to you know banner which is you know and then that the, the dichotomy there goes back to Jekyll and Hyde of course yeah. but um, here we have uh, you know what's so interesting is that neither Black Widow nor Hawkeye recognize the Red Skull for who he is yeah that you is know? interesting they don't they don't speak. <laughs> Even when they're talking later, when Hawkeye is talking later on to Thor, Thor is, you know, uh, uh, demanding that they fix what happened. And he says, you go, you go talk to that red guy, you go. He doesn't know who he is. And Mm -hmm. Cap doesn't make the connection because it's beyond their their ability to imagine that that's where, you know, you have to see it to believe it, right? Um, So... What was that? What was that scene when they're going to uh, early in the film? When they're going to fly in Rocket's ship to take on uh-huh. Thanos again, and I think I think Rocket says, "Who who here hasn't been into outer space, <laughs> you know, before?" Right. Yeah, and the hands go. And up. Most of the hands go. Yeah, up. you know. I mean, that's that's a funny moment, but you know, it, it is. Ship. <laughs> yeah, I mean the reality there is it's like some of the soldiers who used to, who went to sea for the first time. They're coming from Iowa. They're coming from yeah. you know, Kansas City and St. Louis, you know, places where they have no oceans. The the concept of okay. something that vast. Yeah, and then the up and the down and, and you can see it. Sailors and soldiers hanging out over the rails, heaving, because yeah, this is this is mind boggling. So imagine and, what and it's like to go into space. There? Excuse me. When he hit, when they when they punch it into hyper, 
Yep. What do they focus on? They focus on Cap, the World War II guy, gripping and like, yeah, not, you know, least able to handle it, right? Yeah. So I think it was a nod to exactly what you're saying. It is an amazing uh, so, thing, yeah, an amazing thing. How much thought went into this this script and these yeah, these the, the these stories, it, the more these things, stories. Yeah. And and here we have a replay of the Thanos Gamora scene, right? Mm -hmm. With with Black Widow and Hawkeye. Red Skull explains that you know the, the Soul Stone uh, requires an exchange, a sacrifice of yeah. someone you love. And hours go by, you know, it kind of fades into later when, you know, Black Widow is sitting and, and, and Hawkeye is pacing and he looks over at the Red Skull and goes, how you doing, guy? Yeah. You know, because they, they, they have no ability to say, okay, this is going to be easy because they mean so much to each other. It is the Sophie Choice moment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know? Um, it's the uh, King Solomon. It's yep. the... Uh, um, who was it? Um, uh, Abraham, if we're going to go old, old school, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Son, right? Um, and then the rever it's such a great reversal of what happens with Thanos and Gamora. You know, Thanos realizes what he has to do before Gamora, Gamora does. And there's never an, you know, Gamora is never willing to be the one, right? But here, you have the two of them battling to sacrifice themselves to save the other. It's love, love, you know? Mm -hmm. there, there was, it was only a one-way love Thanos to Gamora. Gamora didn't love Thanos, you know? Um, so they're out there. They're, it's, I don't, I, I don't remember... Uh, Red Skull's uh, uh, face during this that he was shocked at anything. But, uh... You've seen it three times? Wow. Battle. <laughs> yeah, this is, well, because the focus is so much on... This is the second time or third time we've seen Hawkeye and Black Widow face off, you know? In Civil War, you know, they're, they're battling each other because they're on either side of that argument. Mm -hmm. And Black Widow says, are we still friends? And he says, it depends on how, much, how bad do you hurt me. Because he's going to throw that fight, you know? And Wanda gives him crap about it later. You let her win, you know? Um, it's the same thing here. They battled the Speed Wolf and, and Hawkeye. You know, and again, Mark Bernard, and I love you, but you got me angry. Who the F cares about Hawkeye? Hawkeye leaps to his death. He's out over the mountain. He's, there's nothing below but the same death that Gamora has. He has done it. He has committed his love for Black Widow as his friend. Nothing else. He has a wife. Um, and it's Black Widow who uses her skills and her basic equipment to uh, grab him and pull him back and attach him to a line so he can't fall. And there's still that moment of drama where he grabs onto her and he's holding... And... And the pain, Jeremy Renner is such a great actor, and he, he has these moments in the film where he pleads with her, please don't. He cannot handle another loss. And she believes so much in her heart and soul that this is the right thing to do. She says, it's going to be okay. Let me go. And, and he won't. So she kicks herself away from him. And sacrifices herself. And, and we see Hawkeye fall apart all over again. And, and the thing here is, because I, I, I mentioned this to you uh, the other day when we were talking about this, there's all these things that you can speculate are going on in her mind, but one of the things that, that I locked in on was, again, going back to the redemption path that she, she, was, she had chosen. You know, A, here's a way of making up for the pain and the hurt and the death that I've caused, you know, in my life. That's one. She's but cleaning the, her ledger. Yeah, but the other thing, too, is if this mission works, and they, they've undertaken to make sure it does, if this mission works, if I, if I do this now, they get the stone, and this mission works, he'll get his family back. Mm -hmm. I don't have a family to return to. My family is the Avengers. 
and the and she yeah, just says that. So she sacrifices the, the herself. On that moment, right? She loves his family. Yeah, she loves his family. She and loves you can him. Understand, yeah, you could understand that she would see it would be less painful for them to mourn her than to mourn the dad, right? And the husband, exactly. So there's. One of the, again, Marcus McFeely at all, the Russo brothers, Feige, it's the beauty of giving two opposite, of opposing choices that are both logical and horribly painful. Mm-hmm. And asking the audience all of a sudden, you choose, what do you, you know? And to be, you know, Bernard has a point. He says, you know, I disagree with who gives an F about Hawkeye. I do. But he says, I wanted to see Widow having to go to that family and explain. Yes, that would have been a moment. fascinating drama. It would have been you know? a moment, but not as powerful. <laughs> because we got a fascinating and, and powerful moment when they all come back. You know, the last thing before they go into this time heist, time jump, she has the last line before they go. She says, see you in a minute. And they all come back, and everybody, and where's that? Mm-hmm. And Hawkeye just falls to his knees. You know, the performer, he says, Renner says everything with the faith and the physicality. Mm. And you see, huge, the, the biggest of them, you know, Hulk, you know, you see his emotional breakdown with it. Thor, you see his emo- And it goes to the next scene where Thor's like, we have the stones, just bring her back. And he says, Hawkeye says, that's not how it works. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, even exchange, it can't be undone. And he says, we have this, so you don't understand space stuff. And that's where Hawkeye goes right back to this Norse god. You go, you have this, you go, take a pin particle, you talk to this guy with the red face, you go ahead and you tell him, you tell him to give her back. Because I was there. And the tears and the anger and the... He is, his, his path could go anywhere. He could be lost in that moment. It's just that he won't let her death be in vain. Exactly. It's his love. Which, Again, love, yeah. love, love is the only thing that gets us through. Love, loss, sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that, and, and so, you mentioned earlier, family. You know, it's all about the family. Family, what you do for your family. You know, it's, it's our heroes trying to save the world, but no. It's our heroes trying to save the lives of those dearest to them and... I would I would add to that because it's going to bring us to the next scene. In a way, we also get to see, and again, credit to the creators on that. We get to see that these heroes are also desperately trying to save themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? They make the Stark Infinity Glove, or you know, right? And they're arguing, or discussing who Puts who's going to wear it. Yeah. And Thor. Begs them, begs Stark and begs Banner, Professor Hulk, whatever you want to call him, with tears in his eyes. Please, please let it be me. And and, and you could take a bunch of different interpretations of where this is going. I think he is fully aware that it will kill him, and he is ready to die if he could just do one thing right. Make it right, yeah. If I could just yeah, make it right. You know? Um, we have to step back for a minute, and then we'll go back to who uses the stone. But um, in Thor's journey, he sees his mom. Mm-hmm. Him and Rocket go back. Rocket Great has to moment. go with that um, <laughs> with that that high tech syringe and extract the uh, ether. Um, you know the the, the uh, I forget which the switch stone that is uh, from Natalie Portman. I don't. They don't see that scene. There's a scene that we may not want to see. I don't know where he extracted it out of, yeah. but, you know. She had to be out when he did it, when though. He's doing that, yeah. she, I'm, I'm sorry? I said she had to be unconscious when he did that. That was a, that was a prerequisite. I, I, well, well, we see her get up from a, 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 sort of a, a couch a, a, or a lounge, lounge or something and, like that, yes. And the rocket comes after it, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But and, and when he does get it, after this scene we're going to talk about, 
Lockett is running with all the guards in Asgard after him. Yep. You know, so, so I think some alarms were raised. Yes. But we see this scene with Thor and his mom. And uh, Marcus and McFeely in interviews said that it was originally going to be a you know long loving scene between uh, Thor and Natalie Portman's character, uh, Jane Foster. I'm, God bless Natalie Portman. I, you know, I think she's a, a strong actress and beautiful and, and wonderful. And God bless her. But I'm glad it was the born his mom. Yeah, um, I agree. That you know, again, fathers and sons, mothers and sons. You know, there's a uh, there's a balance to it, and he unloads and is honest and has he unloads because she sees right through his BS. He tries yeah, to play it off, she, and she sees right through. She even knows who he is, with all the, yeah. the weight and the beard and everything like that. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, and she says, the future hasn't been kind to you. Yeah. And gives him a hug. God, you know, that sometimes you just need that hug, right? And it's mom, a beautiful yeah. moment. Yeah. And, he, you know, he tells her everything, and and she says, of course, you're failure, Bob. That's kind of harsh. Well, we all fail. You know, mm-hmm. when we try to be who we're supposed to be. Rather than who we are. We we have to be who we are. And that's what, you know, that's what helps him correct his path. You know, and I don't think, I don't think the rest of the film happens without that. You know? Um, so we go and he, and he pleads, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't complete that journey right away. He pleads to where the... The, We're back um, with the gauntlet, the, by the uh, way, folks. The okay. gauntlet. Yeah. He thinks self-sacrifice at that moment might be the thing he needs. Tony Stark takes him, you know, uh, talks him down. Uh, War Machine has that funny. And you know what's crossing through my veins? So it says, "Lightning is a cream cheese." You know, <laughs> great little wise-ass moment. Uh, and it has to be Professor Hulk. You know. Thor even says, I'm the strongest Avenger, which is a, a callback to Ragnarok, which is really funny, that Hulk was the uh, uh, strongest Avenger, according to Tony Stark's um, um, pass- password. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when Hulk does it, I mean, you see the, the damage it does to him. But Hulk is the one who does the snap and undo- undoes, brings everybody back. And who better than Paul Red? Rudd space and, and Scott Lang, you know, smiling and that, that beaming of positivity. I think it worked, you know? And they see the birds and all that stuff. And then Hawkeye's phone. And it's his wife calling. And again, uh, Renner is not coherent in that. He just, the release and the joy and the gratitude when he's, oh, honey, you know, and, and, Again, who, who gives an F about Hawkeye? Oh, yeah, I do. And I think a lot of us in that moment. Yeah, you know? I think also, before we get to what happens next... Um, because the next one is part three. Yeah. yeah, before we get there, there's a couple of things. You know, one, uh, Paul, or Ant-Man, or, you know, standing there at that window, it's not that they see a crowd of people suddenly all over the place, or they hear a cacophony of car horns or any of that. It's birds. It's mm-hmm. trees and birds and life on that simplest, gentle level. It's like the dove that returning to the ark. It's like the dove returning yeah. to the ark. You know, yeah. there are certain symbolisms. And again, this goes back to writing. There's, there's direct, obvious, over, you know, overt material. And then there's subplots. And there's, you know, there's imagery, uh, imagery and suggestions and subtext. And there's all these things. I, I constantly say to my students, you know, film is a visual medium with words as well. And so the things that you can suggest, just with, with your choices visually, can speak volumes. So to me, that made that moment so much more, and I'm going to use this word, so much more mystical and holy than seeing suddenly all these people on the street or hearing all these cheering voices or anything like that. Yeah. That, that, that to me said life has returned. Right. You have the biblical reference. You also have the idea of, you know, the peace, you know, dove peace. Mm-hmm. And all that. Although mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a, a dove that we see. Um, and it's that moment of bliss that explodes. 
exactly what you said a couple of times already. We're in war. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> the invaders are here. The first salvo has been fired. There's damage and some injury. And we realize that as we look at who's attacking and we look at the massive threat itself, that we also deal with the thing that they've been dealing with since the beginning of the film, which is fear. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is a younger, more savage Thanos. Mm -hmm. This is not the spiritual journey Thanos that we saw in Infinity War or in the very first hour of this movie. Um, and that's the time travel and all that stuff. And, you know, whether you go with it or fight it, you know, well, that's your choice. But we're not going to battle that war here. We're going to talk about the <laughs> war. Um, Thanos and the children of Thanos and the space dogs. And they, the first strike destroys the Avengers uh, uh, complex. Yeah. It literally and, and reduces it, it into, to the sub-cellar, you know, in effect. Yeah, it, it turns it into Rubble. like a wasteland, a battleground immediately. Mm -hmm. And again, we get to see everyone at a different part of the journey now, right? So yeah, they're separated. You know, Hawkeye, yeah, Hawkeye becomes like uh, again. We see the glory of Hawkeye because he winds up. He, you know, one of the things consistently with that character is he is always aware of the situation and the needs of the situation. From the first time we saw him in Thor, through Avengers and and on and on, and you know that moment in Ultron, you know when he's talking to Scarlet Witch, you know, listen, the city is floating. We're being attacked by an army of robots, and I have a bow and arrow. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm going, going back out, out there because it's my job, yeah. right? Yeah. It's always, you know, he goes, he sees the Infinity Gauntlet, he knows he has to keep that safe. He grabs it and again is aware enough to, to recognize danger behind him and we start seeing his resourcefulness. Whether he shoots the arrows or sticks them in the wall. With or explosives, a, right? A, 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 a wire that shoots up or the sword that comes out. He, he's a living closet of, uh, of, of weapons, this guy, mm -hmm. you know? And we get to see that on full display as he's doing the grunt work. He's the grunt, he's the, you know, he's the soldier on the front line through all these movies. You know, he's not the glory guy like Iron Man or Cap. He's, you know, he's the foot soldier. And if he doesn't grab that... And keep it out of their grasp, it's all lost, yeah. right. He even has a moment where he doesn't know you know, that now there are two nebulas and the uh, the evil one appears over him and he thinks it's the good one. And he's, oh, I know you, and hands it off to her. <laughs> and as soon as he hears her say, I have it, he, he knows. You know, uses his weapons, gets it back, and he's off and running again. Yeah. Cap, what do you want me to do with this thing? And, <laughs> and it takes us through how crazy this is. And one by one, our heroes get defeated. You know, uh, Hulk is holding up the, the, the building. building so it doesn't squish Raccoon, uh, Rocket and Rhodey. And it's Ant-Man coming to the rescue. Yeah. Which like, yeah, you want to think, what's he going to do? But he knows what he's going to do. And eventually he, he grows so big that he, you know, he can throw Hulk, uh, War Machine and Rocket out of his palm. That's how big he grows. I guess he gets a new record on how tall he got. You know? <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, Iron Man gets beat down from, uh, and Thor does, and all that stuff. And, a matter of fact, one of the high points of the movie is Thor is Thanos is beating Thor senseless. And he's got hold of Stormbreaker and he's pushing it into Thor's chest. Oh, a I, reversal. I got, yeah, I got to stop you just there for a moment because I mentioned Save it, Saving Private Ryan earlier. Yeah. There's the, the most disturbing scene in that movie. There were two. There was the taking the beach in Normandy and just the, the fuselage of bullets wiping out people. That was disturbing. It went on for just enough time to make you feel so uncomfortable. But the most huh. disturbing scene was the squad, led by Tom Hanks, has entered the town. They've found Ryan.
but there's Germans everywhere. And two of the American soldiers go up to the tower. They're going up the steps to this tower and they encounter German soldiers. And one of them is a big brawlic kind of German soldier. And the soldier going up against him is a, a lean kind of feisty, uh, uh, thin, dark-haired character. And they get into this hand-to-hand -hand combat while the other American soldier is so paralyzed with fear, he can't make it up the rest of the steps to help his friend, to help his buddy. And eventually the German soldier gets control of a bayonet and is on top of the American soldier who's desperately trying to keep this guy from driving it into him. And the soldier just keeps pressing down and you hear the American soldier going, wait, 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 wait. And the German soldier's just going, shh, shh, as he sticks the thing into him. And I remember when I saw the movie, I just went, oh my God, you know, just knowing there's nothing you can do. And that same physical positioning was what I saw on the scene, on the screen, in that scene with Thanos and Thor. And I thought, oh no, don't, don't go there. Please, please don't go there. You know, so you really, you you really concerned that Thor might die there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree, I agree. And um, you know, when we were talking about the mother, uh, Thor talking to his mom, we forgot to say that Thor summons uh, Mjolnir yeah. before they go back in time. So he had been fighting with both, and then the Stormbreaker is being driven into his chest. The blade part, suddenly, yeah, yeah. You know, when all hope is lost for Thor. Monja slams uh, a Thanos in the back of the head and goes not to Thor, but flying back into Captain America's hand. And he has the shield in one and Thor's hammer in the other. He's wielding the hammer because he is worthy. And there's a roar in the audience. We're cheering, but no one is more joyful than Thor himself. Yeah. You know? I knew it. I knew it. And, and that pays off that scene, everyone trying to lift up the hammer, and, and Steve Rogers did a little bit. Um, Thor always thought that he had faked it, so that he didn't really embarrass Thor at that moment. Um, but what you, you, were, you were at... Chris and I did not go to the same showing. And my theater erupted like that, just, just the same way the one you just described. I'm curious... Did it get the same reaction the other two times that you went? Every single time. There you go. Every single time. And then it's Thor, it, 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 it Captain America with Mondra beating the crap out of Thanos. In, and the place is cheering because we wanted to see this guy get his comeuppance. And he's... He's really about to go, and then, much like the first scene of Infinity War, where Thanos takes a few shots from Hulk, and then comes and just shows how much more powerful he is, Thanos fights back. And with his big, big, ridiculously big... Uh, Double-bladed sword, double yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, yeah. He cuts the uncuttable. He shatters... The, the uh, Captain America shield, which brings us back to how much more powerful he is, brings us back to Tony's nightmare. You know, the the uh, um, the prophecy is coming true, and all that. And he knocks Thanos on uh, Cap. Thanos knocks Cap on his ass, and he struggles. And then Cap gets back up, tightens that shield, that broken shield gritting his teeth and it's the moment the unspoken moment uh calls back every time cap has said i can do this all day yes we when he's in the alley as steve rogers we see it in civil war yeah even even earlier in the movie when cap is fighting cap the younger cap says i can do this all day and older cap says, yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> but it's and you would talk to us, you talked to me about that moment where we cut to the other angle and we see Cap stepping forward to face off Thanos and his entire... It's an establishment shot which uh, basically says uh, it all because Thanos' army is there. He's standing, but behind him is this incredibly huge, frightening army of 
things. Overwhelming force. Not just soldiers with guns. No, we're talking about things. You know, mechanical things, inorganic things, flying things. Space dogs. Yeah, things. Some kind of right? gorilla-looking thing. Right, you know, and it's, it's every one of them is obviously capable of devastating harm. And mm -hmm. Cap... And, and, the, and the children of Thanos are still there. Right. Cap stands up, like you said, with the busted shield, tightens the strap anyway, and does that one establishment shot. So it's a, it's a portrait, a landscape shot. Thanos and his army on the right, and Captain America on the left, facing them. Facing off. Yeah. What does that say to you? What did that shot say to you? Well, you know, ultimately it says so many things, but I guess the short order is I have a feeling how this is going to go, but it's going to have to go because you have to go through me. You know, he does not, he does not run. I will fight to fight the to death. death. Yeah, yeah, I will fight to the death. That's it. That's what I do. You know, but in order for you to do what you want to do, you're going to have to go through me. Or over. Me. And then we have that crackle. Stop, stop, you hear me? Yeah, stop, I can you hear you. And he puts his hand to his ear. Yeah. And, and he says, Cap, on your left. <laughs> Paying off the Winter Soldier or the opening of the Winter Soldier, um, their relationship, you know, and then the, the, the sparkly circles of Doctor Strange and, you know, all the wizards, and out come. You know, the cavalry, it's, you know, you talk about the war picture, mm -hmm. you know, this is the cavalry moment, you know. Panther and Okoyo and Shuri are out first, and then Sam, and on and on it goes. The Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, uh, Wong, yeah. and all of his people, you know. Um, they turn the tide, you know. Even Scarlet Witch gets her turn with, and every one of them have a moment, right? Yeah, but what, do the cap moment, moment first. Do the cap moment first. Oh, oh, excuse my whole face. Please, please, <laughs> you do it. <laughs> there so, is cap. So there we are. There by we are. The cavalry. I'll tell this. What I'll happened? tell this from my POV. There, I, I've already enjoyed this moment that I just described earlier of Cap saying, "It's got you. You got to go through me and you know bring it." And then, all, as, as Chris just described, all of the cavalry arrives, all of these heroes and people coming back and, and ready to square off against the army of things. And Cap does a, another subtle adjustment of the shield, the strap, and, and calls out the two words that, as Chris put it, everybody was waiting for. All I know is Cap was standing there. was yeah, there was this army of people there. This army of people said, yeah, let's do this. And all Cap says is, without, it's nothing about, I'm going to get even, none of that. It was Avengers Assemble. And, and, and then, boom. The, explodes. <laughs> yeah. People screaming. I screamed my voice roar in that one moment. And between that and the hammer. I, I couldn't teach the next day. Uh, I was like, "Hey, how you doing?" It sounded like Muddy Waters was teaching lit. Yeah, you know. It was. It was. <laughs> or Howard Wolf, you know. It, I tell my students often that we, as storytellers, are manipulators. I don't mean that in a negative way, but we manipulate people's. We orchestrate people's emotions. We want them to feel certain things as they go on this journey through the book or the play or the film or the music that we've created. And so we have rises and falls. We have moments that are going to tear your heart out and moments that are going to make you feel like you could fly. And this film was so well orchestrated that yeah. that moment when all of these heroes came back, there was a beat of appreciation in the theater I was in. People were so busy cheering and everything. But there, within the film, there was this beat of, yeah, we're here. We're all together. We brought it. We are bringing it, right? There was that moment. And then when Cap said, Avengers Assemble, that was a war cry. And then the second war cry was the Panther. You know, because I love I that chant, that battle chant that they have. And when they did that, it was like, 
more people went, yeah, yeah, you know, it's just like everything just started rising because they knew this was the fight. This was the fight. And even Thanos still thinking that, yeah, okay, I got this. There's more of them, but I got this. You know, goes into it, and he, he is just as determined to beat everybody down as before. And, and, and through that, Hawkeye's running with the gauntlet. Yep. And there's another moment, a little moment of payoff. You know, uh, he's running, and he, I mean, he can barely, I mean, God bless him, he's a human being. He just, you know, and... It's Olympic material there. Yeah. Panthers is Clint, give it to me. Give that to me. Please. It makes sense for him yeah. to hand it off to one of the most athletic people on the on the battlefield right there. Mm -hmm. But it also pays off this little tiny moment in uh, uh, Civil War that shows you how much of a king Panther is. Because there's, they've only exchanged two sentences before this. In Civil War, they're facing off, and, and Hawkeye says, uh, we haven't met yet, my name is Clint Barton, and... Black Panther says, I don't care. <laughs> but this reverses all that because he knows him. And he remembers the name. Clint, right. give it to me. You know, and it, to have that handoff mean more, again, it, it's such a celebration of what we're all there for. You know, we love the story. We love that it's interconnected. We love that you can have a stronger tapestry by doing things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and it goes off and it gets handed off to Spider-Man. And, you know, uh, and at, at that time, Wanda is facing off Thanos. Oh, yeah, don't, 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 don't step back on me. Wanda, because Wanda, Wanda, let's remember, Wanda is, is the witch, right? She's, she's, she's mystical, but she's not had, she's not had a lot of moments throughout these 20-some-odd films. She's had certain moments. She, I don't, you know, so... Agent of Ultron is, I think, one of the films where she's had the most intense battle sequences, right? But here she is, and who does she come well, and up? Well, then, and then Infinity War, she's, she's seemed to, to be more powerful than in Ultron. She has consistently become more and more powerful, and then this moment. Right, right. this moment when, who does she square off against but Thanos? Mm -hmm. And he says... She says, you took everything from me, and he says... Uh, I don't even know you. you know? I don't know you. You will. You will. And she's, kick, she's kicking his ass. <laughs> he has to call in the Hail Mary play. Yeah. Rain fire. Yeah, which, is, know, which means his gigantic ship... Troops. His gigantic ship starts firing down on the battlefield now, right? Mm -hmm. not, not specific targets, but just blow everything up, I'll survive. Right. <laughs> Because she is taking yeah. him apart. Yeah, and this is a moment. So it shows that he knows he's losing. And that he's willing to do anything to win. But sir, what and about our troops? <laughs> he's, 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 he's hitting his people there. Uh, you know, uh, the Avengers, everybody, right? And then all of a sudden, the, the cannons rise up and start firing in his space. And no one knows what the hell's coming. And it's Captain Marvel, at long last, has returned from all the different planets that she's been trying to save. And she renders the Sanctuary 1 or the Sanctuary 2, whatever the name of that ship is. Which is about is the size of Manhattan. <laughs> right. Yeah. She renders it in junk yeah. in a matter yeah. of moments. Yep. You know? Yeah. And, then, and then there's that great moment. Spider-Man has the glove. And he's, you know, things are blowing away, and she destroys the ship and comes down, and she says, you know, she's, she's before me. He says, hi, I'm Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> such a great moment, right? Because he's uh, still the kid. In this, in, yeah, he's such a kid. And, you know, there is that moment when he uh, sees uh, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, and, and says, we were on the other side of it, and he... And, and Dr. Strange said we had to go, and, and it was for five years, he did the sparkly thing, and Tony just hugs him. Yeah. He got the kid back. What a beautiful, my, my eyes welled up in tears. Yeah. But back to this moment, hi, I, I, I'm Peter Parker, and that little smile, hi, Peter Parker, I'm <laughs> Captain Marvel, or whatever she says. You got something for me? And, and, and she gets it back, you know? Um, and then Thanos and her square off, and somehow Thanos gets the, the, uh, the gauntlet back, 
right? And he puts it on his and and she holds him even with that. And he has to pull one of the stones out and punch her with it. Uh, the purple stone, the um, mm-hmm. power stone, and then knocks her in the next week. And he knocks everyone out. He pummels Captain America into the ground. And the only one left, Iron Man. And he goes off and they're fighting and they go. And Iron Man goes to grab the uh, uh, the power stones now back in the Infinity Gauntlet. And he goes, he grabs the Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos thinks he's trying to pull it off, you know? And he pulls it, you know, and knocks him back. And says, nope, and snaps his finger, and it's just a hollow snap. Yeah, and wait, wait, again, the beauty of the moment, because again, everything is pacing. Tony makes the jump on, on Thanos. By the way, Tony doesn't have his helmet on at this point. So, you know, right, we, right, we're, right. we're watching Tony Stark with what's left of the Iron Man suit. Jumps in, like you said, struggles for the gauntlet, gets knocked back on his butt, right? And as you said, Thanos feels... You know, this is my my time. I told you it was my time. He doesn't say, he doesn't say it like that, but that's basically what he's saying. I, I well, told he you. the line that he says earlier, which is, I I'm am... I'm in, in, inevitable. I'm inevitable. Right, and so that's he, you know, basically he's conveying to everybody, I told you there was no point in resisting because, you know... I am, I am the victor. I'm it. I'm always going to be it. And so then he gives him the line, because I'm inevitable, and he snaps the fingers. And he's not inevitable. And everybody's <laughs> waiting for something to happen. I have to say and, at and this point, I patted myself on the back because I knew what had happened. I knew what Tony had done. And uh, I, first time out, I did not. I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay. Well, that may have been the only moment that I knew what was going. But you know. And of course, when when Thanos, you know, looks at the glove, all the stones are gone. And right. then he looks to Tony. Which pays off that first third, just before Thor kills him, uh, or right after Thor kills him, Rocket had moved his, the, the glove to see, and there were no stones there. Yeah. You know? um, so what happened to the stone? We, look, we cut to Thanos noticing the stones are gone. We cut to him looking at Tony, and there's Tony and the Iron Man glove with the stones in, in, encrested within it. And he says, and again, the up. pause, again, the beat pause. You know, if Thanos right. had moved quicker, something might have happened differently, but... Right. You know, well, you know what? Um, just before that happened, Tony had looked over at Iron Man, uh, uh, Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange had held up one quivering finger, meaning one in four, 1,400 million or whatever it was. Yeah, the... the, the uh, 14 yeah. million, right? Mm-hmm. This is the one thing. And he knows what he has to do. So, and also paying off the beginning of Infinity War, where we see these, this tech that uh, um, Tony Stark has, the armor now kind of molds over him, mm-hmm. you know, with nanotechnology. Mm-hmm. And he takes his eyeglasses off, and they just mold right into the armor. They disappear into the armor. Same thing with the stones. He got the stones. They went in, and they went into place. And Tony responds to the I am inevitable with... And I am Iron Man. Snap. And snaps all of the villains out of existence. Yeah. And, and now the here... Reverse, and, you, 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 the you, reverse of the end of the Infinity War. Right. And it, experience the inverse uh, uh, motion. We experience victory and elation. Yeah. And what was interesting too was, was Thanos. <laughs> yeah, was Thanos's scenario, uh, or not his scenario, his actions, which is defeat. You saw, you got to experience that he experienced total loss and defeat because he then, rather than railing or anything like, because again, you make these choices when you're creating stories. Rather than railing or, or defying or whatever, he sits down. Yeah, which is what he did at the end of Infinity War. Yeah. But this time, yeah, different feel. Completely opposite, yeah. Yeah, yeah different feel. Again and again, I know I'm, I'm getting redundant, but it's the excellence of the writing, the excellence of the storytelling, you know, Marcus and McFeely, Russo Brothers, Feige. You know, you can't thank them enough for, for putting such a strong story together. Yeah. You know, um, of course, Tony is mortal, so... Doing that with the stones 
it destroys them. And you have the three, the three goodbyes. You have Rhodey, who's been his oldest friend, and then his surrogate son, Peter, doing the inverse of the Infinity War goodbye when he disappears on Iron Man. Now Iron Man is disappearing on him. And then he's gently pulled to the side so that Pepper, Pepper yeah. who has appeared, and we didn't even talk about her fighting in the rescue armor, but she did. There's so much of this that we, there's dozens and dozens of moments we haven't talked about. And, and gee, but, does that mean we need to do a five hour show? <laughs> right, it, it, it just shows you that we could. Yeah. Um, and she has that moment that she, you know, she pays off that conversation they had back in the end of hour one or beginning of hour two where he says, I figured it out and I could, you know, I could throw it in the bottom of the lake and she says, but you wouldn't let. And now she says, we're going to be okay, meaning her and her daughter, their daughter. Mm-hmm. You can rest now. And the guy who started the, you know, Iron Man was the first movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and he started as the arrogant, arrogant self-centered, you know, egocentric, could care less sure. kind of, yeah. And his journey, I mean, the longest of the journey to redemption, to sacrifice, to the greater good. Here's a guy who went from wanting to control the world and be the richest in the world to wanting to build an armor around the world to saving the universe. I mean, that's really the stakes here. He saved the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and those who find the nitpicking, uh, uh, this is such a, you know, a grand story, you know? And the rest is denouement. And uh, I think they did it well. Well, denouement, excuse me. I said denouement, sorry. Yeah. Denouement. I know that um, one of the things about Tony that, you know, I, and I feel this is almost a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of comparison, but I, I have to do it. Um, the Tony Stark we meet in the first Iron Man movie is also, um, he's, he's, a, he's a, a war merchant. I mean, he, mm-hmm. makes, he makes weapons that, that kill. It's one of the reasons that, you know, they, they are as rich, or he is as rich as he is. It's, you know, the family business. And by the end of that movie and into the second movie, he's switching out of he's switching out of making war machines and weapons and things, and he's he's going in a different direction. So literally, from from benefiting from taking lives to the ultimate sacrifice. And and again, also another thing we can just quickly mention is, you know. As you said, the stones are so powerful that there's no way that this human being, with or without the armor, could could handle it. Um, this is the second time that Tony has put his life on the line and said, "I will, I will lose it for the for the greater good." It's you know, and in, in the first Avengers movie, when he chooses to ride that missile, that nuclear missile, away from New York City and up into that spatial void, that that warp, because he knows. Either it's going to blow up once I get in there and I'm not going to make it back, or the portal's closing and I'm not going to make it back. So either way, it's over for me. And then, but he lucks out, and yes, he does make it back. But this time, no, but we, we learn that Tony Stark has been on that hero's journey since the first film. And as far as I'm and, concerned, he made it. And I would add that that, that cap him on that path mm. you know one first first when he gets captured and he sees that the villains have his equipment his weaponry and that's his you know, moment of epiphany and that starts him on you know and then the stakes get raised for him in avengers where cap challenges him and says you know you're just you know you're, you're just acting for yourself i've seen the film you know you act if they're misusing stark technology or whatever you know you're like, you won't be the guy who lays on that line and at the end of the movie he, he, he makes that sacrifice to save New York and then you know by by um, the Civil War he wants to put a coat of armor around the world or by I think that that's um, Age of Ultron mm. you know and uh, Iron Man 3 he's having post uh, PTSD, Age of Ultron, he wants to protect the whole world. Buying the Infinity War, 
he uh, or civil war, he is going along with something he would never would have for the greater good. And he's struggling every single step of the way to redefine for himself uh, what his meaning is, why he's there, what he's meant to do. And ultimately, I think he finds it in this movie and gets, like you said, he makes, he makes it to the end of his journey. You know, he becomes the best him. You know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a, a sacrificial way, sure, but also in the fulfillment of uh, only that technology could have done that, could have gotten the stones from Thanos. Only that technology, you know, you, you look back, could it have really been anyone else to obliterate that evil? You know, and, and the sacrifice is, is well made and the loss is, you know, we will feel the loss. We see that funeral. Um, and by the way, if I could step out of the story for a moment, there is one of the, uh, um, I guess it was uh, 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 Fat Man Beyond with Mark Bernard and Kevin Smith. We're talking about, they interviewed Marcus McFeely, and I am looking forward to hearing that interview. But one of the things Marcus McFeely uh, were asked was, you know, that funeral, you know, you really stitched that together well, meaning that they filmed everybody separately and then made it look like one scene. And Marcus from the family said, no, everyone showed up. You know, that all the actors would be in that one scene for the funeral. It says something about their understanding of how special this movie is. Or, you know, maybe the, the cold people would say, well, it was just a big payday. I don't know. But I'd, I appreciate knowing that that was, you know, all in one shot. That's, mm-hmm. that's an amazing thing to have. Um, and we say goodbye, and you know we see Hawkeye talking to Wanda, and, and hoping that they know, you know, that that Nat knows her sacrifice was not in vain. And Wanda says they both know, and that she's referring to um, uh, Vision, mm-hmm. um, you know, because Hawkeye's going to have a, a, a show, and I think that's going to wrap his story up. And Wanda's going to have a show that's called, unfortunately, called Wanda Vision, which is could be her and Vision, or could be uh, the Avengers Dissemble story, which would be a terrible, I would not want to go down that path, where she loses her mind and all that, I really would not. I'm hoping it's a romantic story between her and Vision, that would be great. You know, talk about the ultimate interracial love, right? Oh, um, for real. Right, you could really explore that, that would be cool. And then we have to talk about this last thing, which is, Cap, uh, it caused some controversy, and some people are really ticked, saying it violates Marvel's own rules that they set up for time travel. But Cap goes and returns all the Infinity Stones to erase the the different um, uh, reality paths, yeah. and uh, um, uh, and he returns Thor's hammer, but, and then he doesn't come back, and. We see um, an old man sitting on a bench off to the side, and it's very clear from before Cap leaves that Winter Soldier, Bucky, knows he's staying, because he says, I'm going to miss you. And then when he doesn't come back and you see Stan In the machine, it, just to be specific, in the machine, when he doesn't return to the pad, the time machine. In the time he goes yeah, through the, right. with the pen particles and all that stuff. Um, when we see the old man, Winter Soldier, Bucky, says to Sam, go ahead, go over there. And it is old man Cap. Sam walks over and, and sees, yeah, yeah, it's old Steve Rogers. And, and Steve Rogers gives a brand new looking shield to Sam and after trying it on, he says, how does it feel? He says, it feels like it isn't mine. But he, he belongs to somebody like else. It belongs to someone else. And... Steve says it doesn't, you know, uh, which suggests there's more story there. And Russo, the Russo brothers have said there is more story there. You know, what happened and exactly, you know, who did what. But the last scene is, goes back to the 1940s. And we see Steve Rogers in the living room of his little, you know, non-impressive house, just a nice little life. He and... Uh, uh, Peggy Carter uh, uh, finally having that dance, mm-hmm. and he got to live that life. 
and people complain about it changing, how did he get back and all that. And the Russo brothers have explained that they either had some film particles or got some from Hank Finn and jumped back to this timeline after having lived his life with Peggy. Remember, Peggy died in, I think, the Civil War mm-hmm. um, of old age, you know. So he got to have a full life and have that, you know, and then he came back to to get rid of that so he wouldn't have these crazy time fluctuations or whatever the cause is of splitting time, you know, tra- you know, a time zone or whatever you want to call it, time as a reality. Uh, so he closes that off and he gives Sam his thing. And, um, you know what, I was satisfied. Every time you play with time travel, there's going to be a little bit of a mess. I was satisfied. It was enough for me. I was very, very, very happy that the, the entire 22 movie tapestry series Infinity Saga ends on a kiss. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest love stories ever told. I, 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 would, I would also say that, you know, again, in in closing on this, uh, the film and on this episode, but also the, you know, time travel is something that we've played with in fiction for generations. And, you know, H.G. Wells to the Russo brothers, what does it matter? There's all these different fictional or literary uh, conceptions of time travel and then there's, as you brought up in one of our conversations, there's the scientific theories about it, um, whether it's possible or not, and if it is possible, what, how does it work? What doesn't really work? What doesn't make sense? Um, there's all of these theories even about reality, how we perceive it as one thing, but not necessarily what it really is. So I liken this, the end of this movie, to a conversation I had with some friends of mine back in my high school days after we saw Fantasia. And some of my friends were very much into uh, the ganja. You know, they like, they like to, to have a little something before they go and see certain movies that were already fantastic or, or fan- fantasy, but they wanted their minds working a little differently. I, I wasn't into that. But either way, we, we, we go see the movie, and they come out all distressed about something that one of the hippos did in one of the scenes and how that's not realistic. And I said, I said, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You accept that the hippos, oh, it was a, they do these giant leaps during this, this dance that they're doing. I said, wait a minute, you accept that hippos can wear tutus and do pirouettes, but you don't think they can leap that far. <laughs> I said, I said, I think it's called suspending reality, and you're just trying to figure out how far. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, these things become metaphor, right? Yeah. You know, and and I, I think that's as much as you can demand. All the things they accomplished, you know, I'm, I'm fine with what happened there, you know, and it's a beautiful end to a glorious saga and a history-making set of films and 1.3 billion dollar first weekend box office would suggest there are many people who enjoyed the trip. Yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you tell a gargantuan story. <laughs> you tell the damn story well. with metaphor, with imagery, with payoffs and callbacks and rich dialogue and rich characterization and absolutely amazing dedication to craft. And you have to do all that in collaboration. You know, who, who, who likes who, who works best with whom, who has the most money, who's getting paid the most. All of those are ancillary or, or smaller uh, details. The real job is how well it all works in the end. And I don't yeah. think anybody brought a C-level game to the screen. I think no, everyone the, brought their A from game. From the behind-the-screen people, behind-the-camera yeah. people, to the, the producers and directors and, and writers, to the actors and the special effects and the sound people. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Everybody was working in concert to tell this damn story. And that 
is that, folks? Bravo. Yes, we have yeah. talked, we have talked, and we have talked. And I hope you enjoy what you heard. And Lord knows, be with us next episode. <laughs> and in the meantime, let us know what you think. You know, um, you know, we got the comment section. Use it as others have. Send us a note on Facebook. Use it. Drop it in here if you're, you're, you're listening to us on Anchor or if you're coming through WordPress or through iTunes or any of the number of other platforms that we're on. Let us know what you I think. Did, on Facebook everywhere. Right. Did, you, did you like the movie? Did you not like the movie? What was your, your favorite part? What was the part that pissed you off? You know, what do you want to see happen next? You know, all those uh, things. Did you agree with what we said? Do you have a different well, How could they not agree no. with what we said? It was so eloquent. Because there, there are <laughs> room for all interpretations. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So share it with us, and we'll see you next time on Tell the Damn Story. Bye, Chris. Peace. Peace, man.